listening to this this is your host john torrance and we are we made it to season three yay clap hands clap hands clap hands um first off before i even start the show i just want to say thank you for all my listeners thank you for all my supporters and thank you for my sponsor which you definitely will hear um throughout this episode so let's kick it off i want to say that i have a very special guest and i'm very very excited that he actually accepted my request um he is the founder of ota open to all entertainment um and it's legendary should I say it again? Legendary. Should I say it again? Legendary. One more time. <laughs> Legendary Lego Jovera. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. No problem. So I think we should just get started because we have a lot, yeah. a lot, a lot to talk about. <laughs> yes. Was that was that your voice in the intro? No, it's Earth Tone. Okay, work Earth Tone. <laughs> you know who he is? We don't know. But oh, work. okay. Well, he's gonna have to perform at OTA. Yeah, he, email us. Yes. Um, I definitely will connect you. Um, so again, thank you so much. And what I like to do with all my guests when they come on is to just share their um coming out story let people know what you're all about where you're from because people might not know where you're from um so you coming out how was that and just tell me the experience overall i think i i came out three times i Uh, did too yeah i think my first time coming out wasn't me it was my mom before she passed Mm. um my three older sisters basically told me that she told them that you know i was gay and you know really i'm to be loved and protected or whatever i found that you know a while ago Mm -hmm. um the second time i was actually on the phone with my friend i'm like my my the way that my parents handle their bills, they have all their bills on the table okay. at the at the dining table. The old and then, school you know, way, old yeah, school very way. much. Don't pick up the phone right. while I'm using. <laughs> and usually, but usually that happens on Saturdays, okay. not during the school night. Okay, just so happens this was on the school night. <laughs> so I was on the phone with my um my good Judy, and we were talking about this guy that I had a crush on, and it was, mm. and this guy later on would become my first boyfriend, right? And um. I'm just talking about, you know, you know, the like, <laughs> oh, girl, he said I was cute and all this extra uh-huh. stuff and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Right. And then um, my dad calls me downstairs. So I'm like, girl, I got to call you back. But but he calls me into the basement and I mm. quaint what I used to get in trouble all the time. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like right. I was the kid that would take the oat milk pies and go in the bathroom <laughs> and eat it and then throw it in the wrapper in the trash can. Yes, I yes. was that person. Okay. So I was like, okay, I'm in the basement. I must be in trouble. My dad is sitting across from me and he's like, I heard your phone call. And I mean, it was like, oh my Did God. your heart drop? My heart dropped because uh, my father was um, what well, is a you know devout Christian mm-hmm. um, in the military. You know, very stern, and he's one of those. 
um, men that wasn't raised by their father, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they're extra strict, and you know, you know, yeah. So he he was just like, you know, he heard my the phone call. And the first thing I said was just like, please don't tell my stepmom, right? Because okay. um, I just felt like she was gonna tell everybody. Mm. Um, and he was just like, well, I gotta tell her because she's my wife, right? And then I was just like, well, not nah. in my head. I'm like, well, no, nah, I can't trust you. But it became mm-hmm. weird because. A week later, he ended up taking me down to Florida and um, to this seminar. And it was a seminar for families on how to deal with having a gay family member, which was unfamiliar to happen in the black family. Right, right. And of course, when we got there, I think we were probably like 1% of black people that was Mm -hmm. the whole thing Mm -hmm. um never forget it because that was the first time i went to um red lobster and i experienced those (laughs) cheddar biscuits that are fucking iconic um Mm -hmm. then um every now and then like you know this is around the time that oprah was like you know i forgot what's going on with oprah i think this was the trans guy that was having the kid oh okay um -hmm. and they were doing like a lot of like gay content or whatever Mm -hmm. anytime that something on the talk show was talking about something gay my dad always wanted to talk about it but i was just like you know i understand you want to talk to me about it but in my head i'm like i can't trust you because you're gonna tell me you have to tell her right right and they were taking me to therapy or whatever but it wasn't it didn't it didn't give um uh, what's that? What's that thing that they parents usually take their kids to? That's like wrong, uh, like the little the conversion situation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was never any of that. It was more okay. so like trying to understand how I'm feeling and all this like just stuff. Well, right? that was kind of like big of him though. Yeah. So then the final time, which was like the nail in the coffin, right? Um, I was leaving work one day and I was just like, you know what? I'm, no, I think I got suspended from work. Okay. And I don't know what hit me in the head as I'm walking home. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I'm just going to tell my dad. Right. But I was strategic. Okay. I had the front door unlocked. I had my bedroom window unlocked. Mm-hmm. I had some of my stuff like kind of like tucked away. Because at this right. time I'm 18. So I'm just like, if anything was to happen to me, you were saying I can easily get out. And right. They'll just never see me again. Exactly. Right. And my dad was asleep. So I was just like, okay, I'm going <laughs> to lay in the bed beside him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's a little bit older. So if he decides to react, I can jump out the bed faster right. than him or whatever. Right. So I'm like, you know, um, daddy, wake up. And his eyes open, looking at the ceiling. It was so scary. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, shit. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, um, dad, you need to understand that, you know, um, I like girls, but I like guys too. And I have a boyfriend. And he just stared, stayed looking at the ceiling. He was just like, "Oh, I didn't think you were gonna tell me." But okay. Now keep in mind, considering the, especially the last time that we mm-hmm. addressed this and him taking me down to Florida, right, right, right. I just felt like I needed to say it to him oh, so yeah, he fully definitely. understood and everything. Because mm-hmm. my dad has this thing where he he feels like I turned gay. Because, you know, I got my heart broken by this girl. And my my whole persona did change after I got my heart broken by this one girl one time. Yeah. But my dad, like, still feels like that's the only reason that. (laughs) (laughs) That's not the case. That's not the case. But, yeah, that was my come out story. I never really had, thank God, I never had, like, a a weird situation with Mm -hmm. my intermediate family or anything like that. Mm -hmm. If anything, right now, I deal with the situation where my family reaches out to me a lot, but because I'm so busy, I'm not able to be as present as I want to. How old were you when he took you to Florida? Jeez, I was, like, 15, 16. Oh, okay. So it wasn't kind of like, I know... Well, you didn't even tell him then. You just went on with the flow and went to Florida and went to the seminars and... Yeah, I didn't know it was going to happen. You were saying I was still like, I mean, I was I already knew that it was in my head. I'm just like, there's, you should know because yeah. of my, my persona and yeah. everything. I'm in the praise dance team. You were mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. I'm in the fashion shows at school and all this extra stuff. <laughs> yeah. I mean, stereotypical gay stuff, mm-hmm. you were saying. Um, but yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So where are you from? Um, 
Uh, <laughs> I am Jamaican, born in Panama. Okay. Um, I was raised a military brat. Okay. So I lived between um, California and Maryland. So Maryland, because I would say is like a hometown. Okay. But so mm-hmm. is California. It's kind of weird for military brats. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it comes to the ballroom scene, you know, I always say I'm from Baltimore because mm-hmm. that's where I really like cultivated my craft okay. even though I found out about the ballroom scene in California oh really yeah how was that hard because <laughs> really? you know I didn't my dad was very much anytime I had a gay person around me um, he assumed they were like my love interest or mm-hmm. something like that which mm-hmm. was I wish I didn't experience that because you know now it's it took me a minute to understand gay people being my friend mm-hmm. and them not being sexually intimate with me because mm-hmm. that was a picture painted when i wanted to have friends around me oh yeah you know um that's funny because i went home um a couple weeks ago and my little cousin her best friend is gay and he's mm-hmm. 22 years old mm-hmm. and it kind of was like having a conversation with him it kind of felt like I was having a conversation with my 22-year-old self mm-hmm. when he was like, well, I don't really have any male friends because all the male friends I have, I mess with. And so it's, like, weird. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. I was like, that's understandable. I felt the same way, which I feel like a lot of people his age and especially younger feel like they can't have, like, a group of male gay friends. They always have to, like, mess with each other or they're attracted to each other. Mm-hmm. So... I know. <laughs> I understood that. How old were you when you were in California? Jeez. Um, <laughs> when I first moved to America, um, <laughs> uh, I was in California from, I want to say, I was about four years old. So okay. I was in the third grade. Okay. Then we went to Maryland. Then I came back to California once I was 16. Then from oh. 16 to 20. Okay. Um, yeah. And then, but you found ballroom in California, online. Online, okay. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I ended up finding it online, and then I immediately got hooked. And this is around the time that BGC was like a thing, and the video it, chat rooms were. Yeah. I don't know what's going on with BGC Live I don't now, know either. but I still go back to because they still have the chat room section. Do they? Yeah, but there's nothing like it doesn't load or anything okay, like that. Okay. So I'm like, oh my god, bring it back! That's such a <laughs> legendary room. So when I saw the Vogue clip or whatever, you know, um, at that time I was heavy on the BGC video chat room, okay. right? And I ended up posting the group like, oh my god, did you guys, you know, know what this style is? And uh-huh. everyone was like, yeah, girl, that's Vogue and blah blah blah. And I'm like, I want to learn. So I had friends that used to like actually like, you know, get on video chat with me, battle me, teach me how to spin and all this extra stuff. Shut up. You know, and that's initially how that was my first teacher. Shout out to BGC. Oh, yeah. and that was a virtual experience. A vir- yeah. Before virtual classes was a thing. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then um, I transitioned on to YouTube. So then I started documenting my experience because I'm not going to hold you. I. <laughs> This is going to sound mad conceited, but it is true. I was like, the moment I found out about the scene, I was just like, I'm going to be a big thing. I'm going to be famous in this. Mm-hmm. I need to document my shit now mm-hmm. because when I'm deemed legendary, I don't want nobody to question how long, when I started or anything. Mm-hmm. Hence the birth of my YouTube channel. And I was kind of like, uh, at that time, I guess you, I could have been seen as in a... Um, an outsider or an mm-hmm. appropriator or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, um, because it was like, how is somebody that's just hasn't even walked the ball yet is, you know, making Vogue videos. Right. You know right. What I'm but thankfully, because, you know, I already had the experience from teaching and praise dance, I was able to, you know, catch on to moves a little bit more quicker mm-hmm. and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that that was basically, you know, the thing. And then I was just like, um, around the time that my dad told me like, okay, you're 20. Um, mm-hmm. It's time for you to go, mm-hmm. right? Um, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to walk my first ball. If I'm going to celebrate being an adult now. Because right. I didn't see it as my dad, like, being mean and kicking me out. It's like, you know, my da- I've always been used to my dad, my dad being stern. So him saying that to me was not surprising to mm-hmm. me. And mm-hmm. thankfully, my family in Baltimore had me, like, you know, together, okay. you know, whatever. So um, my first ball was... Um, later on that year 2010 at the latex wall and i was actually like going back and forth with 
um, I won't say fans, but the people that were supporting me okay. through my YouTube channel. I was asking them like, hey, you know, I don't know if I should walk this because I never walked before a ball before. Mm -hmm. Should this be the first ball? And then I never forget this comment that someone said that was just like, well, if you're going to get chopped, make it a big chop. Mm, okay. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> I don't want to go ahead of, you know, any questions. No, it's so. okay. It's okay. So <laughs> tell me about, like, just Baltimore and how, I guess you can say, you got your start in Baltimore. So my first ball was in New York. Okay. Right. Um, and after that, um, one of the reasons why I was comfortable walking in New York because my cousin is the um, founder of the House of West, James okay. West. Right. Um, so I already felt like, and he loved he's to He's the light skin one, right? Well, he's brown skin. Yeah. Was he on um, on Legendary on the... Yeah, first season of yeah. Legendary with the House so of So I do have to say something. Uh -huh. So I had like a major crush on him. Uh -huh. For some reason, I don't... Let me text him. No. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason, it was like, as soon as I saw him, and I kind of like have like a pass and be more like, I always went to the Paradox and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. You know, I was six Club owns? Yep, club okay. fun, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't know, it's like his Be More swag, I guess, attracted me to him mm -hmm. a little bit. And I just was like, he's really cute. And I think he's tall. Like, I've never seen him mm -hmm. in person before, yeah, but he is he tall? tall? Yeah. See, I be, I'm a very observant person. Mm -hmm. So, but anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Shout out to his lover. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Well, I'm not a homewrecker. I just got a little cry. Um, but yeah, so, um, that that growth in Baltimore was everything. Okay. Um, like the Baltimore girls are just a different breed of ballroom. Mm -hmm. um, it gave when we were trained. Mm -hmm. It would be like you know this is when Kevin was like heavy on releasing music, right? And mm -hmm. he would have like these eight minute you know Vogue session clips, and each person went like if you were at a Vogue session with the Baltimore Girls, it was given you were gonna Vogue this whole eight minutes straight. Oh my god! You know what I'm saying, and you were going to carry. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Um, one funny thing, I remember my first ball in Baltimore. Um, was the it was a Kiki ball? It was mm -hmm. the unbothered Kiki ball. And this is at the time that Jasmine Prodigy was the overall mother of the unbothered. Mm -hmm. And this is before the unbothered. I'm getting a little deep into it, but this is for the ballroom <laughs> girls watching. This is before the unbothered merged with the um, Cartiers, right? Um, and I ended up walking Virgin Performance, and no one else walked. I still have that trophy, mind you. Um, no one else walked. And I was just like, well, it doesn't feel like a win. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. So um, <laughs> they end up having the regular performance category. And the commentator at the time, Trey, was just like, well, no, you already you know, um, walked versions. You can't walk this. And then Jasmine was like, well, let him walk. And, you know, Jasmine, it's the unbothered ball, and mm -hmm. Jasmine's the overall mother. So they was like, let him walk. Trey Shady asked her to call out Ronnie. And legendary, now legendary Ronnie, I, I believe he's a 007 now, but most may mm -hmm. know him by legendary Ronnie Valenciaga. They called him out. And the moment that Trey said Ronnie, you hear the room say, ooh. And I'm like, well, fuck, I lost. Right. But okay, I'm going to get my one in. Right. <laughs> but Miss Ronnie did me the fuck in. Really? Um, and that's why I ended up finding my um, immediate gay family, mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. legendary boom. Um, right now, he's a line of in. Mm -hmm. You know, he's my father. And, um, yeah, I found out that Ricky was from Baltimore, and I was just like, oh, I'm going to be one of the greats. Mm -hmm. You know, I found, mm -hmm. you know, realizing who Marquise Revlon was, who mm -hmm. um, Tamara, um, Tamara was, you know, there was so many um, great experiences that I had just being in Baltimore because, again, I never really had the experience of being around the hood or being around mm -hmm. gays like this. Mm -hmm. And it was just so nice to, like, finally experience being around gay people without the assumption that, you know, I was going to have sex with them. I just right. need to be around gay people. So, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. you need to be around your people that <laughs> exactly, understand. Exactly, exactly. Oh, mm -hmm. so um, that's interesting. So tell me a little bit more about like the categories and what you're really known for. So, so for me, I've been, like I said before, I've been voguing for a minute, mm -hmm. right? Um, so Vogue Femme, 
uh, hand performance mm -hmm. and commentating. I've been commentating. I've been doing all three categories since before I stepped into the ballroom scene, and okay. all of them are documented. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that was, um, if I can remember any particular time, like during my career, I always have to say my most memorable time was when I was a LaBeija. Mm -hmm. And I had left the house of LaBeija and I told them, okay, well, I want to come back. And this is probably like my second time leaving. Mm -hmm. um, and back then the LaBeijas, you couldn't, back then you couldn't be a LaBeija unless you won grand prize at a ball. Okay. Right. So it was, you know, the LaBeijas were emerging and they didn't have those strict rules or anything. Right. Mm -hmm. But my second time leaving, they were like, Okay, bitch, well, if you want to come back, you need to win grand prize at a ball. I'm like, oh, y'all took it back on me. Right. Here's the thing. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. The um, the Labajos are getting shaded because we were kind of like a dis, you know, yeah, people took advantage of the fact that we were going through our struggles as a house. Yeah. So I was just like, bitch, I'm never going to win grand prize. Mm -hmm. No, I'm, and then I was just like, you know what? No, I'm going to change this. Fuck that. Mm -hmm. So... Um, at the time, Omari, um, founder Omari Orichi, he was Mizrahi at the time. He had this ball called the King of Arms Art Ball. Mm -hmm. And I believe this was the second or the third installment of it. And we were on the phone. He was just like, yeah, you know, he was like, oh, I'm going to come up. Uh, I want the performance category to be Vogue Afrique, which is basically you had to have. It was Vogue infused with African dancing. Oh. Right. Now, keep in mind, um, before ballroom, I used to. Although I was a part of the praise dance ministry, um, I used to play the African drum, the djembe, mm -hmm. you know, for this African dance ministry mm -hmm. um, at this church called Ebenezer AME Church. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're not familiar, you heard of Byron Cage, gospel singer? Yes, yes. yes His mm -hmm. church, mm -hmm. right? Oh. Yeah, so I was playing the African dance for that church. Um, so um, I told him immediately, I was just like, well, I'm going to win, yeah. right? And at the same time, there was a Vogue Femme group. And Naima Mugler and I um, had this like little, you know, odd, we were at odds. And I woke up one day and she made this post about me and saying, you have Vogue, you have performance girls and you have Vogue femmes and Lego Beja, a.k.a. Mr. Brown LaBeja is neither one of them. Now, keep in mind. And then she posted a picture of Mr. Brown. Right. Ooh. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it was already weird because I was young and ball-headed. Mm -hmm. Like, I've been ball-headed since I came into the scene, mm -hmm. right? Um, so I felt humiliated, right? But, of course, you know, I couldn't show that. Right. And then one of my, one of who I saw as, I want to say my favorite, but one of the Vogue films I liked, Toro, ended up commenting underneath it. And he was, like, instigating the whole situation, which really pissed me off, mm -hmm. right? Because I was like, this isn't mm -hmm. none of your business. Like, stay right. in your place. Right. So... Miss Thing, let me tell you something. <laughs> I was so determined to win. Mm -hmm. I end up walking, watching a like two. I was like an hour and a half, two hour documentary on the Wadabi tribe in Africa. Right? Oh, you were serious. Oh, I was not playing. <laughs> uh, and it just so happens that the Wadabi tribe reminded me of the House of Labasia with mm -hmm. the certain things that they did. Their, mm -hmm. you know, um, the way they just went about, you know, um, being amongst themselves. Right. And I was just like, I had a moment. I was like, oh my god, I'm gonna win, right? Mm -hmm. Get to the ball, you know. Arturo's throwing me shade for whatever the fuck reason. <laughs> um, oh yeah. Also, I told Naima while she was shading me, I was just like, you know, girl, I'm walking this ball. It's four thousand. You were know saying, come out. Keep in mind, at that point, Naima's a hot commodity. You were know saying, um, and it's kind of like, bitch, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. You were know saying. Um, but I was just like, I don't give a fuck. Right. I have two missions. I need to win over this bitch, and I need to get back in my house. Mm -hmm. Right? Long story short, Naima didn't show up, and um, Alex Mugler, who was also uh, uh, in the house of Mugler with Naima, mm -hmm. um, was the last battle. Right? It was me. And uh, technically, it wasn't the last battle, because I wasn't LaBeja, but everyone didn't really know that I'd left the house of LaBeja. Okay. Mm -hmm. So... The last battle was me and Alex, and I carried on Miss Alex, and I won that thousand. Ooh, I became I know so. That's right. I got to get back into my house. I I felt like I made even a bigger point with winning over Alex, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, and then on top of that, now I'm a thousand dollar Vogue fan, right? Right. And then it came to, you know, um, Jack ended up saying grand prize the house of the Beige, and for me that was the extra grand prize because okay. I was just yeah. like. 
y'all know I won. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And technically, I should be battling y'all, right. but I'm not going to battle y'all. Oh okay, you know, God. and I even split the coin with the house. But yeah, that was, yeah. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. It seems like it's like a sport, kind of. Like, it, like it is. <laughs> it is I, a sport. Yes, I used to work, like, all of my clips, like, I used to dead ass work out the month before. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And really try to yeah. condition myself to get ready to, like, go on this that fucking floor. That shit is a sport. Yeah. It is a sport. I mean, like I said, when we talked previously, like, I'm a basketball player, and mm-hmm. so... A lot of stuff that you say is kind of like I do the same thing like before mm-hmm. a tournament or before anything like it's it's, it's in training mode mm-hmm. like I have to train for mm-hmm. it because I don't want to get like you know beat the fuck up on the mm-hmm. basketball court like mm-hmm. I'm trying to be my best all the time and so and of course other teams shade us and you know it's it's very fun and i'm sure you debate stats and, and we everything. debate stats and let me tell you yeah it was just like that i love it it's literally like when we debate stats amongst like legends mm-hmm. and stuff like that or anyone in Baltimore. it really just feels like when i was in high school now we're here yeah. you know, the what i call them trade when i <laughs> we hear the straight boys you know talk about you know basketball stats yeah. and all the sexy yeah. stuff you know oh my god well I have to say that I love you on the mic commentating like (laughs) when I tell you it's so entertaining and you just I love it I love it plus you have like the voice for it and so it's all it's all good one question I do have to say is um or one uh I want to get your opinion on um MC MC Deb Mm -hmm. what is your relationship with her um because you know she's She's known mm-hmm. worldwide, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, especially for the videos and her statements and everything online. What do you think about MC Dub? I mean, me personally, I love her from what I see. You know mm-hmm. what I mean. Um, I've been put in this weird space where, <sighs> and if okay, you don't know is... who MC Deb is, people, you have to Google. I'm honestly gonna... <laughs> stop, stop the clip and go look up who it is, and then come back. Yeah. So, um, MC Deborah, aka Selvin, mm-hmm. aka Kool-Aid, aka Nanushka. Um, what can you say about she is ballroom? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, the way that she makes you feel it, the the way that she demands her respect, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And what I love about um, her was the fact that, you know, she was mistreated a lot, you know what I'm saying, um, in her upcoming, and mm. she became a fab girl, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, she's sorely missed on the microphone. Oh, yeah. Sorely, sorely mm-hmm. missed on the microphone. Um, and I'm praying that, you know, one day, I keep on having this thought that one day we're just going to be at a ball Me and too. she's just going to come up, <laughs> grab the microphone, and just go the fuck off. You know, I feel like that's, I have a strong feeling it's going to happen. Because you can see her personality is still there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like for me, I'll tell you a story about um, how the commentator used to come up. When Escalitas was... Um, Oh, you know, a thing and popping with mm-hmm. Vogue Nights. Um, all the commentators would come early, you were saying, mm-hmm. um, to Mike Q while Mike Q's playing the beats. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you try to get your little one two, you know, right. your right. one two with him or whatever. But you want to commentate to the point where you want to be commentating at the same time that either Luna, Selvin, or Jack is walking into the booth to grab the other microphone. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's basically how they would, like, you know, like, okay, you sound good. Come and commentate this category, right. whatever, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and I would do that. And there was, I remember this one time I was commentating, and then Selvin came to the back just to look to see who was commentating, right? And I'm uh-huh. just like, okay, bitch, it's, it's almost it's almost there, <laughs> right? But Selvin had this thing too where um, they would um, talk, they would have like this little monologue, if you will, okay. about the commentators. And it was always something like, and you commentators. It was always something about the commentators. Mm-hmm. I never knew who he was talking about um, because like I wasn't commentating. Right. You know, Snooki wasn't commentating in the right, scene. So right. I was like, who the fuck is he talking about? I found out later on, but I'm, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, once it was my turn to commentate, I, I said no because I was just so nervous that I was going to get talked about by Selvin really? or whatever. Right. Um, and when I was doing House of Vogue, mm-hmm. Selvin, you know, this is after, you know, mm-hmm. complications ended up happening or whatever. And Selvin came um, 
and he was sitting down in front of the stage and then took a head grabbed me to introduce me to him and he just looked at me and you you it was selling yeah sound mind just physically couldn't mm -hmm. you know looked at me looked at me up and down and just said <laughs> and i at that moment i could have gone home uh-huh and just my rest, the rest of my life is fulfilled. You were know saying because yeah. for me, you were know saying like, oh my gosh, like you know, I, I was so nervous about what you know what he would have to say about me commentating mm -hmm. because my upbringing in the barroom scene was very d different mm -hmm. from everyone else's. You were know mm -hmm. saying. Um, so to have that moment and then you know to call him out for LSS and what I felt was like giving him a proper LSS because mm -hmm. the last time that he had LSS people were most sort of crying yeah. to see him in his condition mm -hmm. or whatever this time when I called him out Selvin is on the floor backpedaling uh -huh. you know all of this uh -huh. and everything and um, then we had a moment at OTA okay and now when he sees me, he like lifts me and everything. Oh. And I'm just like, oh, this is so surreal. <laughs> and I always have this moment where I was like, damn, I just wish I could have my moment on the microphone with him where he could just get on the microphone and just be like, and this bitch, I just want to hear him say Lego out of his mm -hmm. mouth. Um, so we're at OTA and it just so happens that, might I tell you that this was a divine situation that happened. Mm -hmm. And let me preface this. There was... Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to be a commentator because I realized that the things that a commentator says really does affect someone. Oh, yeah. You were saying? Mm -hmm. um, I remember, I don't remember what exactly happened. Mm -hmm. I remember how they made me feel. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if it was something that Jack said or something that Selvin said, but I was really embarrassed and I end up, this is at the time that I was living in a shelter mm -hmm. and I was just like, God, if you gave me the microphone, I would never make anyone feel the way that I feel, mm -hmm. right? Um, and of course I was blessed with that. So to have, yeah. um, so back to this night, um, this was just a night that I planned on having just commentators. I don't think it ever happened before where we had all the commentators, mm -hmm. or just have a panel of commentators, okay. right? Mm -hmm. Now keep in mind back then, you wouldn't even see two commentators at a ball unless it was Jack and Salvin. The other ones, like if you weren't booked really? <laughs> to be there, mm -hmm. they weren't showing up, okay. right? So um, OTA ended up building this camaraderie amongst the commentators, which I'm very, I'm very, very appreciative of. So. Um, it was the camaraderie was so good. I was able to reach out to, you know, a few of the commentators asked them to, you know, I want y'all to judge the night. Mm -hmm. Just so happens, Tigga ends up hitting me up and saying, hey, today is Selvin's birthday and he's coming out tonight. So I'm like, work, right? <laughs> so Selvin comes and then we get ready to do commentator versus commentator. And I'm just like, Bitch, we're about to do a cipher. So I just gave the microphone. I forgot who I gave the microphone first to. And we end up, you know, end up becoming a nice commentator cipher. Selvin's at on the panel. Mm -hmm. We still have this clip up. Type in commentator versus commentator at OTA. Selvin's at the panel, standing aside and giving us all life. And mm -hmm. again, for me, you know, considering how Selvin used to be with right. correcting the girls and everything, right. it was just very surreal that he was going up for everyone. Mm -hmm. And then um Iago started it first with, you know, saying chants that Selvin used to do. Mm -hmm. So then it went from just a commentator sorry to a Selvin tribute. Oh. And that was honestly so magical and so divine to be able to do for Selvin. Mm -hmm. We tried repeating it again the following year. It did not come out anyway oh the way that it, the initial <laughs> time came out. But I'm glad that, you know, um, mm -hmm. every time that um, someone was called out when I'm on the microphone. It was always a moment. Okay. Yeah. And he, he means a lot. You know what oh, Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I I love it. I love him. I, li I just, I live for him. Mm -hmm. I live for him. And I think everyone lives for him, especially yes. by the videos. So two more questions because we're going to get into, because um, I just, I want to ask ballroom questions because I feel like you are ballroom. So I just want to get your, like, exp you know, your advice on stuff and your opinion about stuff. So what do you think about ballroom throwbacks? Um, and the platform that has, you know, that platform on YouTube. Um, when it comes to ballroom throwbacks, I think that um, ballroom throwbacks, first of all, is genius. Mm -hmm. The fact that, from what I understand, that 
this isn't something new that they just started doing with recording balls. Oh, no. Right? I believe Caesar was on vacation. If you don't know what I mean by vacation, then you just don't need to know about it. I think, <laughs> I think Caesar's on vacation, and when he came back, he just went started uploading videos that he had already okay. you know, recorded okay. and put it online. Okay. So you see the transition of it just being old videos being posted uh -huh. to where now he's back posting videos, you know, current videos. Right, right. To now he has webisodes happening right. to now he has what I would say is the most expensive ball. Mm -hmm. Not one category on that man's roster of categories is under a thousand dollars. Um, you know, I feel like, you know, when we talk about growth in ballroom, these are the kinds of things mm -hmm. that you want to see happen, mm -hmm. you know, within the scene. Mm -hmm. You know, and I feel like he's definitely done that. And even with his webisodes, you're able to see, you know, people um, from the ballroom scene acting, yeah. you know, in his stuff, yeah. you know, and ballroom girls that you know, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Him making iconic moments with the, um, the aftermaths after mm -hmm. the Vogue nights and yeah, those legendary those moments. Those were all iconic. And, you know, I didn't really get into it until literally the pandemic happened. Mm -hmm. Like when we were on like shutdown, mm -hmm. I was on ballroom throwbacks watching all the videos. Mm -hmm. So when I see like a legendary or just people like when I went to OTA, like mm -hmm. it was people that I saw online and I was just like, I feel like I'm like, they're a celebrity in my opinion, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Because I've always watched them, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So first off, YouTube, the whole platform is definitely like, it's a platform that I feel like everyone should be on because you never know who's watching. Yeah. You never know. Mm -hmm. um, and then what do you think about Legendary, the show on HBO? I don't like it at all. And what's the reason? Don't like it at all. <laughs> the only thing that I like, like I'm, I'm very conflicted mm -hmm. on the fact that, you know, it gets the girls out there. Mm -hmm. You know, our girls are able to get onto TV mm -hmm. and they're able to get their life. You know, unfortunately, mm -hmm. since Legendary has been out, we've been dealing with the pandemic. So we haven't been able to actually see anyone from the show right. really like flourish at all the gay prize that mm -hmm. you should be, yeah. you know what I'm saying, yeah. all this extra stuff. So I'm excited to see what this season of Legendary is going to do when it comes to just getting the girls out there. Yeah. The show is a chop in an entirety. Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. feel like, baby, if I had a ball and I had four virgins and one ballroom girl on the panel, tables would be thrown, ball is over, oh, we're mm -hmm. fighting. Mm -hmm. Like, are you dumb? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? The fact that that show, any other show that does something like this would have people that are experienced, yeah. right? Yeah. I just feel like it's a mockery to mm -hmm. the whole legacy of the ballroom scene that a show like this exists in which where you have people that have never been into a ball, mm -hmm. you know saying, having the nerve to give advice to legends, up and coming legends and or icons or parents mm -hmm. to a house and doing it in a shady way. Right. Um, I don't like the production value. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've seen better productions at a ball versus what happens on the show. Mm -hmm. um, I don't like the music aspect. Mm -hmm. I feel like... Oh, yeah. Music is terrible. Yeah. I feel like when it comes to the music... Now, keep in mind, you know, the music producers now are trying to do what they can. Mm -hmm. But, you know, clearly, you know, whoever the higher-ups are not allowing them to, you know, really flourish the way that they mm -hmm. can. Mm -hmm. Because I know these music production girls that right. are behind the music. Right. And I know their capabilities. Mm -hmm. And it's like, this is what happens when white people get involved not even just white people when hollywood gets involved oh, yeah. right yeah. and um i there's been several moments that have happened on the show where i'm just like girl if i if i was at a ball and a judge said hey you were voguing your ass off but they had more passion so i'm gonna give it to them ball is over the ball is over. Tables are turned over and everything's how celebrity guests are able to come and chop people. How do you know what you're chopping? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, stop the beat. Why did you chop? Mm -hmm. They need to have you. What, on te te what technique do you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, I, I feel like it's very. Yeah. Then that's a whole nother story. <laughs> no. I've, and, and I just feel like this is what happens when the scene as a whole doesn't just say no right 
right. this this we're not going to go for. Mm -hmm. No, we're not going to do this. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, when it comes to Legendary, I don't fucking like it. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a waste of fucking time. And I'm still in the space now where I'm waiting for Ballroom to be authentically represented on TV. Right. Because it hasn't been done since what? Andre was on the Apollo, mm -hmm. or when Madonna hired actual ballroom girls to go travel with her. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, that's how I feel about that show. Waste of time. Well, let's talk about what's not a waste of time, which is OTA. Hello, amen. <laughs> <laughs> when I tell you, and I'm going to tell everyone, I went to OTA, the ball, uh -huh. a couple weeks ago. <laughs> and when I tell you I thoroughly enjoyed myself, it was like... I don't know. Like, it was just something over me. Like, the energy was just amazing. Like, you were getting on all the girls. You was telling them, listen, mm. do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Did you get a drink? Yes, I yeah. got a drink. I was lit. <laughs> it was just, it literally was like, it was crazy. It mm. was crazy. And it just was like, I loved it. I loved it. I loved the experience. I loved that everyone was just on positive energy. It mm. just was like, damn, like, I'm, and I'm definitely coming back. You know what I'm saying? Just because I had a good time, you know? Mm. And so, um, and, you know, I don't come from the ballroom scene, but someone who isn't in the ballroom scene and actually came, I can say I really, really enjoyed myself. Mm -hmm. um, now, I think what a lot of people don't know is that you did the very first ball in Times Square. Oh. Mm -hmm. How was that? And how did that actually come about? You know what the crazy thing is? And I'm, I'm just now realizing this with um, OTA Academy too. These two situations happened because I worked on this project called Bringing Down the Walls. Mm -hmm. um, and this was during the time that I was the commentator of House of Vogue. And um, so basically the director of Times Square Arts and the owner of Nowadays both worked on this one project. Okay. Right? So um, <laughs> I was working on a project with Rashad Newsom. This was around the the end of December of 2020, mm -hmm. right? And we did this performance outside. And um, while I was in rehearsal, the director came, you know, just to introduce herself, whatever. Right. And when she saw me, she was like, let go. And you know, in my head, I'm like, okay, you know, fat girl, that girl's <laughs> not me. Hey, kiss But um, she was just like, no, you know, we worked on a project together. And I'm just like, oh, okay, perfect. She knows my work ethic, uh -huh. work ethic. I'm doing a ball in Times Square. Immediately after yeah, she said yeah. that, I'm like, I'm doing a ball in Times yeah. Square. Um, and then I messaged her after we did the project with Rashad Newsom. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, hey, you know, I feel like we should do a ball in Times Square. And she was like, I agree. And that was it. You know, um, with nowadays how we got um, OTA Academy, they end up reaching out to us and saying, hey, we have this available spot and we want to give it to you, mm. which I didn't understand because, you know, we live in a capitalist world. So right. I'm just like, OK, what are you getting out of it? And the right. fact that these people just honestly, genuinely nice people just was like, hey, here's the space. Utilize it, you know, yeah. the best way you can for the community. And that all came from this one project called Bringing Down the Walls. You never yeah, know. You yeah. never know. So is it going to be a summer thing? Is it going to be every summer? It needs to be every summer. For Times Square? Yeah. Times Square is annual. Okay. We, are, we made a lot of history with that event. We are the first um, nightlife party to get an annual slot mm. in Times Square. And when is it going to be? Like, what month is it going to be? We're still in discussions with that okay. right now. I yeah. feel like it should be during, like, Pride Month in June. Yeah, I think so. I too. mean, you have a lot of like these, you know, white gay events. You need to have like the black events. Too. The only well, here's the thing about um, when I tell you like, there's been a, a lot of like divine placement with mm -hmm, stuff mm -hmm. that I find to be unintentional. Yeah. Um, when we did, when we chose the date for uh, the first original date because it was a rainy day mm -hmm. for Times Square, it was literally the Monday following Black Pride weekend. Okay. Right, mm -hmm. so I'm like, okay, work. I didn't want to do it in Pride Month, right? Because I, I, as I told them, I was just like, Pride is just not in this month. 
mm -hmm. was saying, and I just don't want this night, our first That's time, true. to be saturated mm -hmm. with a lot of people mm -hmm. that don't really know. So us having it the first time in August, it was very ballroom, and it mm -hmm. felt like ballroom was in Times Square. Okay, not a ball was happening in Times right, Square. If right. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah. So now, now that we've had our our moment, now we're you know in that conversation yeah. of if it's going to be. And it was a great turnout. Yeah. Excellent turnout. Yeah, that was really, it was really, really cute. The girls got deemed legendary and everything was fab. <laughs> <laughs> it's another um, commentator. I forgot his name. I just have a crush on a lot of ballroom people. Let me okay. just say that. Come on out. Let me text He's them. He's like brown skin. And he always walks when he commentates. And he just. Snooky? He I think that's him. I think that's him. Okay. Snooky, so Snooky West. Yeah, he's so cute. What's with all the West people? It, I don't know. You would have thought I would have became a West, right? We have <laughs> the, the commentators of OTA is uh, the icon Kevin Jay Z prodigy, mm -hmm. Precious Basquiat, yes. and um, Snooky West. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, Snooky. That's that's who it is. Mm -hmm. He's cute. Brother. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to go to a commercial break and we're actually going to skip the in my un in the tea bag segment mm -hmm. because I feel like I want more of you. Okay, let's go. <laughs> so we'll be right back. In my bag podcast is sponsored by the Counter Narrative Project, an organization that stands in the tradition of Bayard Rustin, James Baldwin, Essex Hemphill, and other movement leaders, artists, organizers, and visionaries. Their mission is to shift narratives about black gay men to change policy and improve lives. They are committed to countering narratives and speaking truth to power by creating and developing custom content through media, events, and partnerships. To learn more about the Counter Narrative Project, visit their website at www.thecounternarrative.org. All right, now we're back. Thank you for Counter Narrative Project. They're actually based in Atlanta, um, and they're all about switching the narratives of Black gay men mm -hmm. um, in media, in literature, in writing. So they are all about like Bea Rustin and everyone. So shout out to them. Mm -hmm. They're my sponsor for shout this season. Shout out to the <laughs> Oh, for the whole season. Yes, for the whole season. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you gotta lock it in. <laughs> in my bag is not an understatement. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so we're definitely going to get into the in my bag segment now. Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to talk about what we got us in our bag, you know what I mean? What mm -hmm. got me in my feelings, because there's a lot of stuff that's in my feelings. Mm -hmm. um, so I definitely want to, what really got me in my bag lately is a lot of like the Instagram cap, and I've been seeing a lot of mm -hmm. um, People portray that there's something that they're not on Instagram, and you know, I mean, I'm on Instagram a lot. I can say when I'm in my bed, I'm no, doing nothing. I just scroll through the gram, you know. And I do know a lot of people that are capping, and I'm not going to say no names. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like, are any is anyone like authentic now? You know what I mean? Especially like on the gram, it's like I try to showcase just me who i am and all the passions that i have you know what i mean i have basketball i interview people you know i like fashion so i pose you know what i mean i have my content shoots and stuff like that like you can probably tell the type of nigga i am by instagram you mm -hmm. know what i mean and when you see me in person i give off the same thing you know what i mean mm -hmm. and i feel like a lot of people aren't like that but you know to be fair yeah, not everybody's like that. Like, for me, you'll see me online, you know, you know, giving Lego. Right. I cannot be that 24-7. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. I cannot. Mm -hmm. You know, um, some people have put me off to be, you know, intimidating or whatever that mm -hmm. is when you see me in person. Right. But, yeah, I think it depends on, you know. Um, are you on Instagram for your job, mm -hmm. for, you know, your career, or are you on Instagram just, you know, it's just literally personally you? Right. Or is it a mix, right? Um, me personally, <laughs> I had an experience. I was at a friend's house for Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. and they ended up going to Google 
and like actually just getting a picture of a Thanksgiving Shut dinner up. table <laughs> and posting it on their social media. You know what I'm saying? And in my head, that's capping. Yeah. Like you've been saying. But like if I'm online and like there's certain parts of me that you don't get to see, mm-hmm. you've been saying, or if I'm just not being 100 percent open mm-hmm. or whatever, or say that there's a particular character I want to portray, then right. I mean, yeah, uh-huh. you know. What's, I just want to know like what what I want to ask people too, like what is your purpose of Instagram? Like what is your purpose for being on social media? Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like sometimes people just don't. They be like, well, I don't know. I'm just on just to stalk people or mm-hmm. just to, I don't know. Yeah. And you, excuse me. Um, these, these social media platforms are honestly also seen as TV. Yeah. You're know saying some people really legitimately just want to, you know, just be on there just to, you know, be updated with everything or it's, right. it's their magazine. Right. You know what I'm saying, you know, you have some people that get on lives, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. um, and everything, you know, you just want to be in the know. And honestly, when you come, you talk about sites like Instagram, you know, of course, you know, your celebrities are on there, That's you know, true. so you never, you never know. <sighs> I'm over it. Let me just say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's to be over it though. There, there is a lot of, you know, fucking capping. Yeah. A lot. I, I've seen it. You know, just to build up followers, and I know the more followers you have, the more money you can make. Or the girls who buy their followers. Exactly. I can't stand that. Like, how do you have a hundred thousand plus followers, but you only get like ten likes on photos? Right. The math ain't math. It's not at all. <laughs> it's not. Now I can say like I don't have like a whole bunch. I have like maybe around eight fifty, but I can say those eight fifty mm-hmm. are people that. Literally more than half I know. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They're not people that I just don't know. Mm-hmm. But so, which I'm okay with. Like, if I'm posting it, I know that I'm, you know, I'm showcasing it to people who actually, like, want to see me and, you know, all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. <sighs> that's what I'm in my bag about. I mean, I have a ton of other stories, but I'm not going to call no one out about it. Mm-hmm. But that's what got me in my bag lately, for real. What has me in my bag is people understanding evolution and when i say evolution like i'm now quick to block you okay without discussion i now feel like if i if i feel like i need if i feel like i need to have a discussion about what you're doing is because i want to reach reach some type of resolution Mm -hmm. right if Mm -hmm. i don't i don't you know um people being okay with people outgrowing them and moving forward oh, yeah. and not thinking like it's a little bit harder for me because people were like, oh, because you have OTA now. It's no. First of all, <laughs> you can look back. I've always been this motherfucker. <laughs> There's bitches right now that don't like me because of I've always been this person. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, and I think just m- moving in that, you know, people, you know, being okay with people outgrowing them and knowing that, no, sometimes it's not nothing wrong with you. You know, the path that you're going on, the path that I'm going on is just not. You know, yeah. it's no longer where it needs to be. You know what I'm saying? And you have a lot of shit going on. Like, yeah, and I'm in my bag time. all my fucking time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> the things that people, you know, approach me, you know, and everything, especially when you decide to take it on a position like mine, mm-hmm. you're constantly aware of what people are going through in their lives because they right. update you. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? They mm-hmm. look to you towards some type of help or, you know, they'll send you a positive message saying, hey, I was going through this and coming to OTA or what you do or this right. thing that you said online, like mm-hmm. really, you know, changed me or anything like that, you know, and me personally, like I have a... Um, I had a drug issue mm-hmm. before, you know, I used to be a teener girl, mm-hmm. you know, um, and now I'm moving in a space where like, I know what my triggers are, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And now I need to remove anything. If I even, th- you gotta go. Right. You gotta go, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And I've been comfortable in the, you gotta go. So I think it's not so much me being in my bag, it's just people being in their bag around me that puts me in my bag. And that's okay too. <laughs> I mean, I be in my bag about a whole bunch of these niggas. So like when you talk Fuck about elevation, mm-hmm. like I'm just at the point now where I just don't have time. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like. I can definitely say, and I'm going to toot my own horn, I have elevated, like, I got, you know, a brand new job, promotion, you know, my own spot or whatever. Mm -hmm. So I don't have time for bullshit because I'm trying to get to this money. And if I see that you're not with me or you, it's it's a wrap. I made a decision that either I'm going to get a lover or I'm going to get a pet. (laughs) 
<laughs> right now at home, I have two puppies sitting in my living room waiting for me to come home. Because niggas ain't shit at the they moment. They No, okay, hold on. Let me take it back. A good majority of niggas ain't shit. You were saying? And um, I feel like my time really is... You know, not so much money. Yeah, sometimes it is. But my time is my fucking time. Yeah. You were saying? Yeah. Like a bitch is in her 30s now. Like, I don't, I, I literally do not have time. If you get wayward by someone talking about you, I can't be around you because mm-hmm. I'm ignoring bitches all day, every day. Right. You were saying? Right. If you have no aspirations, I can't be around you because I already struggle with being up. Uh, being a procrastinator i can't no. i can't be around somebody <laughs> that's like 10 times that mm-hmm. you know um, it's all about surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals but individuals that are going to push you mm-hmm. to be even greater than mm-hmm. what you are mm-hmm. you know what i mean and dodging the sociopaths oh hello hello amen <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just so i definitely see where you're getting where, where you're talking about like elevation mm-hmm. and just Listen, if you and a lot of people wish they were in a position that you're in and they kind of like come for you for that. And Mm -hmm. it's like you have to dodge them. Mm -hmm. You have to dodge them. And I know you probably see that with what you're doing with OTA and all the growth, because when I tell you every month, like a Monday, that shit is packed. Yeah. You know what? That I'm trying to tell you, like when I when I said that prayer in that shelter i said it sincerely and i was serious about it you know um hence is why josephine gets her life mm-hmm. every fucking monday mm-hmm. you're saying i don't give a fuck about what anybody <laughs> has to say i understand ballroom has its rules yeah. and all the sexy stuff but someone like that who is an activist mm-hmm. who's on the front lines fighting for our black asses mm-hmm. our latino asses our asian asses white asses all of our asses mm-hmm. they deserve to be celebrated yeah. you know um and yeah, that's that's just the way that I move. You know, I tried to make sure that OTA was similar to what Vogue Nights was, then also yeah. not what Vogue Nights was. Right. When right. Vogue Nights first started, it was. I remember when Vogue Nights was first being promoted, and the statement was that this was a space for you know they were really kind of pushing like this realness with a twist narrative. It was more mm-hmm. like this is for mm-hmm. the people that don't really you know Vogue like that. Mm-hmm. You just want to come and have fun mm-hmm. and all this extra stuff. But since the first night, it was serious. Really? It was, it, oh no, it was, it I was. I told you, it's a fucking sport. It, yeah, so it was just like what it was supposed to, what it was promoted to be. It didn't become that. But then, you know, honestly, there was still some beauty that came out of it, you know. And now I have dialed it back for it to, you know, I take it. I don't take for granted that when I have the microphone, it's like stepping into the matrix, mm-hmm. right? It's you now see that you have the mo- you have the power to give someone life mm-hmm. you have the power to make somebody relevant mm-hmm. or not right before josephine um before anybody even knew her name was josephine mm-hmm. they used to call her hot cha cha mess <laughs> like there was i remember when i first came across josephine the video said in the title hot cha cha mess mm-hmm. 007 mm-hmm. right and then even as she comes out and new people are being you know reintroduced mm-hmm. to her they say that and i have to correct them like no her name is not that her name is josephine now everyone knows her by her name right and those are the things where i'm just like you know i told you i would never make no oh one you know feel that way again. right yeah well quick game really really quick because mm-hmm. i want to get i want you to say so i'm gonna say some girls that i saw on um that i follow um and i just want you to say one word oh you want me to get in trouble uh-huh. <laughs> And because these are some of my favorite girls. So okay. I want to just see what you have to say. Okay. Um, Katrina. Legendary fucking feminine <laughs> dramatic <laughs> cunt. Star. The king of drag's performance. Oh my God. I love Star. Mm-hmm. Yolanda. The blonde bombshell. The fucking icon. The it girl Sanaya the mother f- <laughs> I mean is there S- any word Sanaya <laughs> verb adjective noun <laughs> all of them things Fem- the queen the original queen mm-hmm. um Deshaun Deshaun Lan- um, Basquiat mm-hmm. uh icon the commentator the 
what what's what's the word I'm trying to say? The golden ticket. Mm. He's the golden ticket. Mm-hmm. And he's his voice is amazing. Yes, I'm sorry I can't give you one word. These girls, these these, these uh, people you name ain't one word girls. I know, <laughs> I know. Jason from Philly, face. Um, when you talk, I have to give you, I'm sorry. At this point, I got to give you sentences. When you talk about somebody that reps his fucking city. Uh. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Not only reps his fucking city, but keeps people on their toes. You know what I'm saying? Jason, the icon Montclair. Mm-hmm. I think that's all. Jasmine. Jasmine, prodigy. Yes. Oh, blood of an icon. <laughs> <laughs> blood of a she fucking icon. She was at icon. OTA when I was there. Yes. And I was gagging. Yes, Jasmine is a stern support. I'm trying to get her back on um, having the microphone because at Vogue Nights, ja- there was a time where Jasmine used to commentate. Yeah. And I'm trying to approach uh, more f- um, females of all descriptions mm-hmm. to you know grab that mic because it's the problem we're seeing is too male dominated right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. I think that's all right now. I just want to get your take on those names. I just want to get your take. So I definitely want to say thank you very much for being my premier guest for season three of In My Bag podcast. It was everything that I thought. And I feel like that, one, you're going to have to come back Uh because there's a lot of stuff I still want (laughs) to dig in, which I have not dug in. Mm. So I definitely want you to come back. Yes, most definitely. Um, yeah, and I think that's a wrap. I'm coming back to OTA, so shout out to OTA. Yes, come this Monday. Every Monday. Mm-hmm. And isn't it a ball coming up? Yes, the coldest winter ever is this weekend. Yes. So that's, yeah, Monday's going to be packed. One of the, the one of the plus sides about major balls that happened, you know, um, in New York mm-hmm. is the fact that everyone stays till Monday to come to OTA. I know. So, yeah, so this OTA gonna is going to be... Yeah, it's uh, gonna be a big thing. I'm gonna have to try and come. Yeah, and come early, girls, because this is not one of them things. You know, it's given. You want to definitely show up on time. Or are you gonna be in that line? And it is not warm outside. Okay. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all, and we'll talk soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to In My Bag Podcast, brought to you by Bag Media Network, a multimedia company that creates custom content through digital, event, and social platforms for Black gay men. Bag Media Network moves the culture forward, providing a safe space for its community of business leaders, influencers, creatives, entertainers, writers, and activists. To learn more about Bag Media Network, go to www.bagmedianetwork.com. Thank you.